sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah, it's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM. Channel 159, The Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, today's show all about the NBA playoffs. Playoffs start today, the postseason begins, and it will go for the next, what, oh, I don't know, two, two and a half months. It's not a short uh, playoff season in the NBA, but there is plenty to discuss. I'm going to bring in Aaron Bruski. I haven't had him on all year, Aaron Bruski. He's a really good writer. He does a ton of roto stuff. And he's not that bad from the handicapping angle either. He's done pretty well in that regard. Uh, Aaron Bruski will join us in just a few minutes. But before we get into Aaron Bruski, I do want to talk a little bit about a couple of things when it comes to the NBA postseason. Let's start here. There are six teams that are alive to win the title, in my opinion. And in the opinion of the betting markets, Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers are the three teams that are alive to come out of the East. In the West, the Phoenix Suns, the Denver Nuggets, and the Golden State Warriors are the three teams that are alive to come out of the West. And the markets are telling us that very clearly. Those are the six teams in the NBA that are priced at 10 to 1 to win the title or lower with the Bucks uh, three to one uh, in that range, as the favorite, along with the Celtics, those are the only teams that are alive to win it all. When you look at the history of NBA champions, it tends to be top seeds. It tends to be teams that have been there before. And when you look at the, you know, for example, all right, there are books out there right now. With significant, uh, Caesars <laughs> had a better come in and put ten grand on the Kings at seven hundred and fifty to one to win the title, and then another eight grand at three hundred and fifty to one. That's ten million dollars in liability on the Sacramento Kings. They're not that worried about it, <laughs> nor should they be. Adam Pullen, the assistant trading director of trading, it's a pretty large liability, but it's okay. <laughs> You know, um, and again, yes, they won the division, but teams almost never, I'm not going to say never because every once in a while it does happen, teams almost never come from out of nowhere to win not one, not two, not three, but four uh, NBA playoff series. Now, it can happen if injuries come into play with many of their opponents. It can happen uh, if a team has a championship core it just hasn't had the opportunity yet. But teams like the Sacramento Kings, who, again, they just broke a 16-year postseason drought. There's not a lick of postseason experience on that squad. Teams like Sacramento, they don't tend to win four playoff series. The Lakers are another team that the books have significant liability on. Certainly here in Las Vegas, they do. Uh, and I imagine they, there's a fair bit of liability back east. Lakers took money last summer. And they took money, you know, they, they were as low as to 10 or 12 to 1 uh, at uh, many books. Um, when they got off that awful start, 
They were like 100 to 1. Were they 2 and 10? And then all of a sudden they're 100 to 1 uh, plus. And they've taken money ever since. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of liability here in Las Vegas on the, on, on the Lakers. And again, when we think about LeBron and his experience, say, oh, yeah, Lakers could do this. They won a title was it? not that long ago in the bubble uh, with, I'm not going to say the same core, but with AD and, and, and LeBron uh, leading the way on that team. And those guys still uh, play for the Lakers today. That said, and again, you know, you talk to the, you know um, Kevin Lawler from PointsBet. Lakers are our busy, busy, biggest outright liability for the Western Conference and for the championship. You know, um, at Caesars are the second biggest liability. You know, this is all info that I'm reporting from uh, David Purdom's article on ESPN, which again is a solid read. It gives you uh, the info about where some of the money is going and where it has gone. The Lakers, I give them all the credit in the world, but again. They're underdogs in round one. They'll be underdogs again in round two. They're <laughs> and in round three and in round four. So if if the Lakers can win four playoff series underdogs, more power to them. I don't see it happening because it hasn't happened in the history of the NBA. So if it happens this year, we will be surprised. <laughs> you know, one thing that did stand out to me this week: beware the mainstream rumor mill. Look at Atlanta, Miami. What was that, Tuesday night? I must have read 10 articles talking about how Atlanta's going to blow it up and Trey Young wants out and nobody likes anyone. And that team. Um, and then the Hawks won wire to wire uh, pretty easily uh, in Miami. And, and, and worth noting, the Heat made a run in the third quarter. They made a run in the fourth quarter. If Atlanta's team chemistry was so challenged, they could have folded <coughs> Excuse me, in either one of those instances. And they didn't. Atlanta was not in disarray. The team chemistry did not fall apart. Same story with Minnesota. The T-Wolves are in disarray. Rudy Gobert is suspended. They all hate him anyway. Jalen McDaniels is hurt. Nas Reed is hurt. You know, uh, Chris Finch is a shoo-in for the Raptors job after Minnesota loses twice. And the Lakers' money pours in. They got bet up to minus eight and a half. What happened? T-Wolves cover wire to wire. Plenty deep enough. Uh, the role player stepped up. Minnesota's been deep all year. Some teams aren't. Now, Chris Finch's bizarrely bad pick-and-roll game plan in the fourth cost them the contest. But Minnesota got the money against L.A. Beware those mainstream narratives. From a betting angle, they tend to be wrong. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM, channel 159, the SportsGrid radio network. Let's see if we can get those grill wheels smoking with today's guest, Aaron Bruce. I haven't had Aaron on in forever, it feels like. Really glad to have him back on for a serious deep dive into the NBA postseason. Aaron Bruski at Aaron Bruski on Twitter. Welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers. How are you today, my friend? You are absolutely right. It does feel like it's been way too long. How you been, man? I'm hanging in there, dude. No complaints. I've had a pretty good uh, NBA season. Um... You had a pretty good NBA season. Right, now, talk to me. You're working with SportsEthos.com right now. Tell us about it. What is it? What's your involvement? And who's it geared towards? And what does it provide? 
Yeah, yes. Yeah. So the Sports Ethos, we founded about six, maybe even seven years ago. Um, I used to work over at NBC, and as I was sort of reading the landscape, not just over there, but in the industry at large, I, I really realized that gaming and betting was going to be a big deal. And um, it, it seemed like folks were a little slow. I know in your world, they were not slow at all. Um, you've been doing this forever, and you guys saw that a lot a lot earlier than we did even. Um, but we couldn't piss or pass this opportunity to, to start our own thing, and we've been doing it for that long. And so we have been providing gaming and uh, betting services and then um, fantasy and DFS as well. That was one of my bread and butters uh, starting about 20 years ago. And uh, tying in the journalism side as well. So uh, we're trying to kind of build a new AG sort of website that does everything. And uh, we're having fun with it, and it's going well. So, I mean, who is it geared towards? You know, I mean, is, is this for... Uh, for fans, is this for road, uh, you know, for uh, for uh, DFS players? Is this for betters? Is this for casual fans? Is this for serious fans? Um, yeah, you know, who's the? It's, it's all of the above. Um, you know, I would say it's definitely geared to the hardcore uh, gambler. That's for sure. Um, our our wager path and our you know gaming division has guys that that kind of put me to shame. I hate to say it. I've never lost a, a segment in my short career doing this uh, and I, i'm even scared to say that because i am still a tiny bit superstitious i haven't worked that out of my uh system yet but some <laughs> of these guys are absolute studs they they know how to read the markets they know how to read the little tiniest things in the gaming world that i'm learning from them um and and so yeah we're, we're definitely hardcore gamblers here and uh then from there, uh, season-long fantasy and daily fantasy sports is very much our bread and butter, and we're at the top of the rankings uh, every single season with the, the stuff we're put out there. So um, I, I, I am a little partial to the gaming, though. You know, I, I, I think it's just the most pure kind of form of analysis, um, you know, for, from a basketball perspective. You know, there's talk out there in regular NBA land and, and regular NBA Twitter and regular NBA media and it just doesn't even come close to what you would, would talk about with folks that are in the gaming world. And so uh, I, I'm just thrilled to be a part of it, and, and I just find it to be the best basketball talk there is. And, and, and I mean, you're someone that's been able kind of to straddle that line between mainstream content and gambling content. You've kind of worked both sides of it throughout. I mean, you're, you're, you're a reporter, <laughs> you know? You're a mainstream guy. Uh, but yet I see you tweeting pics and doing fairly well with them. Talk about the transition and balance, the balancing act that you have to do between reporting and betting. Yeah, you know, it, it's a funny thing because the, the world, they don't really mix all that well, or, or they haven't traditionally, though you're seeing, actually, you know, I'll take a step back. You're seeing almost everybody promoting picks, and that's got to be really either hilarious, frustrating, I don't know, um, you know, your universe, our universe, when we see a guy who's got no experience and really no business doing it, tweeting his picks like he's serious, we kind of roll our eyes together. But um, the worlds don't, they, they really don't mix that well. Um, you know, there was a time when I was really doing a ton of reporting and, and my competition was like Adrian Wojnarowski and David Aldridge and, you know, those guys. And the idea that I would be breaking a story, you know, kind of in competition with them, then also talking about picks, you know, it didn't really mix very well. Um, and then the two different arenas, 
you know, the, the, the journalism guys didn't know how knee-deep I was in gambling, and the gambling guys really don't know that I'm knee-deep in reporting. And so um, I have taken a little bit step back on the reporting side because it's really hard to, you know, be in a management position over at Sports Ethos, do the, the gambling and the gaming, and then I still do fantasy season-long um, stuff. I've pulled back quite a bit on, you know, just everything in general. And then in terms of reporting, I still have folks that come to me. Um, my, my universe was the Sacramento Kings. And a lot of times they came to me with like a bat signal when something was wrong. But um, <laughs> they're doing so well, you know, that they're just kind of celebrating all the time right now. So uh, I don't hear from them quite as much, and I don't follow up as much with my uh, sources there and get the leads and, and things of that nature. But it's, you're right. It's two very different universes, and it's been a wild ride co um, combining the two. And believe you me, we're going to pick your brain about the Sacramento Kings before uh, this show is through. When it comes to the concept that uh, there's lots of people offering picks, all I would say to that is caveat emptor. You know? Buyer beware. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, if you don't know your Latin, uh, go look it up. Caveat emptor. That's one of those expressions you should know. Uh, uh, but it, it just means, <laughs> that, uh, quote, the principle that the buyer alone is responsible for checking the quality and suitability of goods before a purchase is made. So uh, that's the official definition thereof. That being said, uh, you know, people buy picks. Some people buy picks from idiots. Some people buy picks from pros. It doesn't mean you're going to lose if you buy a pick from an idiot. Or it doesn't mean you're going to win if you buy it from a pro. But I will say this. <laughs> Caveat emptor, buyer. Beware. <laughs> so let's go. When we talk about, like, the Sacramento Kings, in my mind, they're the single biggest surprise story in the NBA this season. Mike Brown wins Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year tends to go to the team that surprised everyone. And even after their hot start, I didn't see it continuing. Can they win a playoff series? Well, no, let's not even go there yet. What surprised you the most in the NBA this year? Was it Sacramento? And what were other people surprised by that maybe you weren't? Uh, you know, I, 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 will, I will say Sacramento was the surprise of the year just because of how historic and the the way they climbed the ladder, like, for example, I, I bet the um, the Mike Brown Coach of the Year thing pretty aggressively, you know, and then Sweet. and I call it nice hit. I it, yeah, did you? No, no, I, I did not. Oh, oh no, I did. I I did, and I I I, I was aggressive with it. I just grabbed a boatload of cash on that. Um, I wish I had just you know been a little bit more aggressive, considering <laughs> uh, how, like, easy or how easy he made it look. Um, but, you know, when they got Keegan Murray in the draft and starting to see how he was playing, even in summer league, and I will never, ever overrate a summer league performance in my life. You know, there's just so much there. But it was just clear that he was going to be this connective piece that created a kind of super lineup. And as, you know, I, I was actually a huge um, fan of any team picking up Malik Monk and Kevin Herter as well. So as they accumulated these pieces after the big trade, the big trade was this big thing, and, and I, I'm curious how that would look if they hadn't done all the subsequent moves. Um, I had them at, like, 43 wins uh, heading into the season. And um, when they went 0-4, I believe it was, in the beginning of the year, they actually looked great during the 0-4, and I was just telling people to load up and, you know, keep keep – you know, kind of buying into the Sacramento Kings. I didn't expect it to be this good, though. Like, they are an unstoppable offense in many respects. 
And defensively, they have their issues. I'm sure we'll talk about that stuff. But that was, the, to me, the fact that they can kind of go toe-to-toe toe -toe with almost any team in the NBA after 16 years of just terribleness. I mean, you can't, you can't emphasize how bad it's been, even last year. Um, organizationally, ownership, players, all the way down the list, you know, how bad they were. Uh, do what this year, yeah. this year, the Kings are winning, and they're in a postseason series. We're going to break down Kings Warriors and the rest of the NBA postseason coming up next when coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is how old I am. I've been doing radio of one sort or another since the mid-80s. <laughs> I've been doing sports talk radio pretty consistently since I moved to Las Vegas. I think my first gig that I got out here was probably doing the Stardust Line. 2001, maybe? 2002, right in that era. And I've been doing it ever since. And over the course of the years, when you do enough mainstream radio, you know, I used to do a show on ESPN here in Las Vegas, uh, with my friend Dave Koken and meet some other folks like Aaron Bruski, who was a Koken contact. I'm like, this guy knows basketball. I got to have him on my show sometimes. Uh, Aaron, welcome back to Cover It with Teddy Covers. We were talking before the break about what surprised you the most in the NBA this year. I want to ask you a, a, a kind of a, a follow-up on that. What were other people surprised by in the league this year that you weren't? Anything stand out to you in that regard? You know, you talked about how you thought Sacramento would be better. You talked about how you made a bunch of money with Mike Brown winning Coach of the Year with the Sacramento Kings. What about the other end of the equation? Uh, the other end of the, the, of the equation. Something that other people were very surprised by. Maybe you weren't so much. You know, it, the, the season had this kind of weird cadence where the East was a bit scrambled up, but then it finished almost. I, I mean, verbatim. Um, at least in the, the circles that I travel in, it sounds finished verbatim in the order we thought it would. And then in the West, I think the biggest thing was just the the, the way all these big-name teams sort of crumbled. I mean, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors couldn't win uh, on the road at all. Um, you know, Minnesota, we thought, would be really bad. And then they went and um, grabbed Mike Conley and, and sort of turned things around there. Um, the Thunder are probably the biggest surprise. That might actually have superseded my, my Sacramento Kings take earlier. The Thunder, everybody had them dead to rights, and all they did is go out and get a superstar in Shy Gildas Alexander to start playing at like a top five to ten level, and the rest of the team come in and actually provide just solid minutes. You're seeing that with Jalen Williams right now. He, to me, actually reminds me of a better James Harden, um, and, <laughs> and, and that's a fun one to play back you know, three years from now, if that actually continues to take shape, he's got the same type of game, but he's bigger, stronger, and it feels like he plays the game the right way. So uh, that's and, an interesting situation. And it's funny because OKC, to me, was absolutely on my radar before the season started because last year they were a monster point spread team. I watched them a lot, and the Thunder did two things I really like. One, they didn't settle for jump shots. They were aggressive taking the ball to the hole, and you love when your underdogs do that. And two was that they fought, but they're down, you know, the, the, 
you lose a lot of games late with teams that are down by two possessions and start jacking up threes with 40 seconds left. And OKC never did that. <laughs> you know, instead they would take the ball of the hole, cut it to a one possession game, and foul again. So they'd have all these games that would go you know, three to five, and then back to three, and then back to five, and then back. To, and you cover point spreads that way in the road dog roll. So uh, OKC point spread machine in 21 22, and that point spread success was a precursor to the straight up success that they've had this and this season. And it's custom built for that, right? I mean, nobody. Everybody thinks that they're tanking because of the 15 first-rounders in the however many years, and then they're in the middle of, you know, Oklahoma, so they're not on the coast. And, you know, all this stuff kind of racks up in, in their favor, but their organization has run extraordinarily well. Uh, Sam Presti, except for the whole Kendrick Perkins ruining three championships thing many years ago, which is probably not even on him, he's been lights out since his Seattle days. And so, you know, organizationally, coaching-wise, they just have it all. And, and it makes uh, sense that I think I'm looking at 45 and 34 against the spread. So, you know, whoever bet them this year had a, had a real good time. Sure, sure. Especially catching points. They were a real good road dog again. So at the top of the show, I talked about the six teams that are alive to win the NBA title. These are the six teams. Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Phoenix, Golden State, Denver. Would you throw a, now that's my take. All of the six teams that are priced at 10 to 1 or less, you don't see NBA long shots win titles. It just doesn't happen. Are there any of those six teams you would throw out that you think have no chance to win the title? And is there anyone that you would put in the mix as a team with a realistic chance that's not among those top six? Because, boy, there's going to be a chalky playoffs. Rattle me those six. Uh, I've got got the three best teams in the East. Boston, Philly, Milwaukee. In the West, I have... The four seed, the Suns, the six seed Warriors, and the one seed Nuggets. Yeah, no, I think Phoenix can win it. I don't like the fact that they are, you know, just coming together right now. I mean, this is, it would be a historic event for them to win it all because we've never seen something like this, and it's like something like eight games they've played together. So uh, I just I can't see it. And then you factor in some of their bench depth issues. Um, I, I think Memphis has the slightest puncher's chance to win it. Um, and then Golden State, I actually have going to the finals. And, and it's really close. It's, it, the West is a total mess this season. Um, so I have those teams. Um, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I have Sacramento as uh, a play I actually made. Um, but and, and I do think they have the talent to get out of the West. I would not let them I would not bet on them to win the finals. So they're they're kind of out for me. They're just more of a, a, a betting journal play. Um, and then in the East, I can't do Philly. And, and it's just it's kind of the James Harden thing. But it's also Milwaukee and Boston match up with them so well. I just can't get them past either of those two teams. So in the East, it's Bucks or Celtics. In the West, the team you didn't mention is Denver. The number one seed. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I have Denver as a possibility. <laughs> they are totally a right. possibility. So you got Denver, Memphis, and Golden State as your three out of the West, more likely. Is anyone out of the East besides the top two? Yeah, no, that's it. Top two and then those three teams in the West. Yeah. So basically, and, and so you and I are in agreement that many of these teams are very good, but they ain't winning a title this year. 
five or six teams. Between us, seven teams <laughs> live to win it all. Let's start getting into some of these series. Let's break it down. We've chit-chatted enough, my friend, and we have a whole bunch of series. We're going to go through six of them right here, right now. Let's start with the one that tips off first on Saturday, the 76ers and the Nets. Series price, the 76ers in the minus 1,000, minus 1,100, uh, minus 1,200 range. A take back uh, on the Nets in the plus 650 to plus 750 range. You know, Philly minus two and a half games, minus 175. There's a lot of action towards the Sixers uh, here in Vegas. Is Philly going to win this pretty easily, or is Brooklyn going to give them a battle? I, I don't know, like the price to pay to get Philly. Um, I think they're going to win this thing, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Um, but that said, I really like the assortment of players in Brooklyn, and and they're also the kinds of players that are going to play big in in this bigger game situation. Talking Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, these guys have a ton of experience. Uh, Nick Claxton, I like him a lot. Um, where I start to sour on this Nets team is they were unwatchable for the entire post-trade deadline uh, portion of the year because they played completely isolation ball. Spencer Dinwiddie got the ball way too much, and if that happens in the playoffs, they'll just be dead on arrival. Um, the where, they, where I think there might be some value with those guys, and I'm not going to take this play in, in the first game, is uh, I think they might cover in this series fairly well. Um, you know, you do have the, the James Harden situation in Philly is, you know, he can be stopped a few different ways. And if he plays the game a certain way and they tilt away from Joel Embiid and then defensively he starts failing a bit, you know, there's a couple ways that Philly can start to beat themselves. But Brooklyn, they can't stop Joel Embiid, bar none, full stop. It's not going to happen. Um, he's only going to stop himself or they'll only stop him on the Philly side. <laughs> But he, he, he's a, such a, a load that it could just crush them instantaneously in any game they play. Game one, how would you look at betting this one, or would you not look at betting this one? Is this one of these, let's watch game one and then see what we're going to do moving forward? Yeah. I'm not going to bet it, but I would be betting Brooklyn if I was betting it. Um, I think there's just too much that can go wrong for Brooklyn right off the bat I, I think that this thing could get up into the 20 point range and just sort of hover there really quick and then how are they going to get back with that offensive issue that i was talking about the defense is going to get a lot more advantage and as we've already seen in the play-in tourney than it already has and brooklyn was really struggling to have that isolation offense give deliver any consistency um so if it turns sour i think it could get to 20 30 and then of course that's the way that philly would cover in that scenario so I won't bet it, but I would be betting Brooklyn if I did. And I want to ask one player in particular for DFS purposes. Cam Thomas had the most bizarre run that I've ever seen, and then a couple of weeks later he's getting DNP coaches' decisions. And then in the last game of the season he scored 40 again, 46, in fact. And yeah, he had the three 40-point games right after the trade deadline or right before Ed White where they traded Durant, and then was basically a non-factor for a month getting three and five minutes of playing time, and then there he is at the end of the game, uh, at the end of the season again. Does he get playing time here or no? Do we want not him in, in, not, in uh... I, it's, this is the, your, your, this is the thing we were talking about just the other day. If he's a pull uh, or break glass in case of emergency guy, they're going to go with the, the, the main crew until that offense stutters. And then they'll put in Cam. And the, the reason why it's so up and down is he's duplicative of Spencer Dinwiddie. 
And whereas like Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, even Addy Mills, you know, these guys know how to play within the context of basketball. Cam Thomas or probably Spencer Dinwiddie is the ISO only guy and, and Cam Thomas is going to be that version of Spencer Dinwiddie. If Dinwiddie can't get it done. So it's hard to, it's hard to bet on Cam Thomas in game one. Much more NBA playoff previews coming up. Yeah, you know what's coming. Hawks, Celtics, Knicks, Cavs, Warriors, Kings, Lakers, Grizz, Clippers, Suns. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There's nothing like being informed with all the odds, analysis, and best bets all day long. How do you get that? It's simple. Follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, and stay on the grid. Again, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. You can follow today's guest, Aaron Brewski, on Twitter at Aaron, that's two A's, R-O-N, Aaron Brewski, B-R-U-S-K. K-I. No, it's not a beer like a brewski. It's a guy like a brewski. At Aaron Brewski on Twitter. Aaron, did I do that right or did I mess it up? You did it so wonderfully, Teddy. I, I, I thank you so much. <laughs> it's the least I could do. I appreciate your time. Let's talk Celtics and Hawks. Looking yeah, at the current it. live odds screen, I'm seeing literally a enormous variance on the Boston side of the equation. If you want, here in Las Vegas, you can lay minus 1,000. Lay 10 to win one for the Celtics to win the series. You can also, here in Las Vegas, lay 16 to win one. Same team, same series, different prices. That, my friends, is why I tell you, shop around for the best number. <laughs> Celtics, Hawks, let's call the prevailing number minus 1,100, minus 1,200. Take back uh, on Atlanta in the plus 7, 750 range. You can find better. If you shop around, do the Hawks have a puncher's chance in this series? Or is Boston going to roll this team? Look, look, puncher's chance can mean a lot of different things. I, and I know nobody's given Atlanta a shot. I almost included them in a futures bet in my journal just to get a position on them. Um, I didn't because Boston is ultimately going to win this. And I don't think I'm going to be able to squeeze any value out of any of that. But look, Atlanta is is kind of dead to rights, but let, like, let's look quickly at Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins. Jalen Johnson is ready for some moment. I'm not going to say he's ready for the moment, but he's ready to be a contributor, as we saw in the play-in game. And then Capella and Okongwu are actually a great tandem for today's NBA. We're talking about a team that's got seven to eight of Bogdan Bogdanovich. They even mentioned him. These guys have City played Bay. in... What's that? Yeah, and Bay, yeah. And I said Sadiq Bay, yeah. Bay. I'll, I'll take him in a playoff rotation, no they're, question. They're getting, they're getting no respect here as a team that's like, you know, no chance, but this team has made deep playoff runs. You know, there's continuity there. And then you have Quinn Snyder, who is a pretty good coach, and they're playing for next year's development. So they're not – like the only person who's unhappy is Trey Young, and he is actually – happy-ish, I would say, right now. And so <laughs> I'm actually taking Atlanta plus nine 
in game one. It's an early start in Boston. I, I know Boston's going to come out, you know, trying to throw a good first punch, but I just think that this team is too competitive to not, you know, get some value out of that big of a number. And yet you tell me that the Celtics are one of only two teams you think are alive to come out of the East. So we like Atlanta. Is there any anti-Boston sentiment to this? Are the Celtics a team that can flip that switch first game of the postseason? I mean, I think Robert Williams is a question mark because obviously he's been out so much and, and, and they're trying to ramp him up at the same time while protecting him. So there, there might be some hesitation there. Uh, I think they are looking for the long term here. So anybody who's dinged up is probably going to be just a little bit, a half step, you know, maybe cautious in this game. Um, the, 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 the reality of the matter is they have defenders that can pretty much take out Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, pretty much the entire backcourt. Um, but the same can kind of not maybe be said in the, as seriously with Atlanta, but they have a lot of rangy athletic types that if you're going to beat Boston, the book on, is, on that has always been to pack it in. Now that's not the book anymore because a lot of the shooting has improved over there. But I, I, I mean, again, nine points is such a huge number. Atlanta can hit that any which way, but Boston's winning this series. Don't get me wrong. And, and they, aside from their coaching situation, are pretty much locked in at every position. When it comes to first-round upsets, this is one that I've heard people talk about a fair bit. That would be the Knicks against the Cavaliers. Cleveland is about a $2 favorite, minus 210, plus 170 to plus 180 for the Knicks, depending on where you shop. Donovan Mitchell has a, what do I call it, a spotty playoff track record? Is that the appropriate terminology there? Uh, with uh, blowing leads in Utah. Um, the Knicks are young and hungry. They don't have any postseason experience. What do we do with the Knicks and the Cavs? You know, I, I was really, when I saw this, I, I, I know that the Cavs have the number one rated defense over the entire regular season, and I understand that Donovan Mitchell can pretty much go for 70, right? You know, he's a huge player. Um their, their big four is as talented, maybe let's call it a big three, because I actually don't think Jared Allen is as good as a lot of folks think he is. Uh, I think that his athleticism is tipped over as a big man that can no longer defend out on the perimeter. I think he's exposable in the pick and roll. So, um, you know, that's a little point that I, that I would note. Um, but I thought New York was the better team, just kind of flat out, straight up, just looking at this. I thought, you know what, New York's got a lot of things that Cleveland can't handle. And I also think depth-wise, they have uh, certain things Cleveland can't handle. I also think they have some toughness that Cleveland might not be able to duplicate. So I, I looked at it. I thought New York's the opportunity to make some cash here. Um, I have New York in game one. I got them at six, and it's at five and a half right now. But the big question is, how does the strength versus um, thin athleticism work in terms of Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett. These are two high-usage guys that have a low center of gravity compared to the taller players that are going to be kind of in their vicinity covering them a lot of the time. And then Jalen Brunson has the same thing going up against Darius Garland, a longer, uh, lighter point guard at about six foot five. Brunson, you know, six foot wearing, you know, you know heels or whatever, but also <laughs> can pivot to to death and he's strong and he knows how to play the game and he's proven it all year long. So I, I think in a tough game where the refs aren't calling a lot of fouls, you're going to see these guys that are stronger with lower centers of gravity, be able to push around the Cleveland Cavaliers 
and that's going to mean good things for them. Yeah, there's a question mark about Randall's injury. I think he's going to play. Uh, folks close to the team think he's going to play. So I'm just evaluating that as is, as if he is going to play. And um, in terms of the defensive you know, matchup against Cleveland and all that scoring that they can bring to the table, Mitchell Robinson, Hartenstein, you know, just the overall uh, New York Knicks uh, defensive alignment, I think, is going to be built to stop those guys. So it's a little iffy until you see the first game. But I like New York in the series, and I like New York in game one. Well, it sounds like some underdogs in the East, not necessarily to win, but at least to cover in game one, namely Atlanta and New York. Let's shift our focus to West now and talk about a trio of Western Conference series. We've got to start with the Warriors and the Kings. The Warriors are minus what? Minus 280 series price. And people are like, how can the three seed be a big dog to the six seed? I'm like, what price would it take you to bet Sacramento in this series? I think it's short. <laughs> uh you know, I mean, the, the Kings aren't winning this series, are they? Oh, man. You know, actually, I don't I, – I, this one's a toss-up to me. And, and if you told me that Golden State was going to play a certain way, I would bet my life on Golden State. Uh, but Golden State and, – and, and that way – I'll describe it in a second. But that Golden State has, in finals games, in regular season games, in, in opening rounds of playoffs, they have done some incredibly stupid things because they are – sort of going to the beat of their own drum. Now, I think that they feel maybe a little bit like underdogs, uh, maybe like their season, um, you know, they're, they're angry about their season, you know. They're, they're not approaching this as the one seed, and, and they know that they're going to cruise to the finals. I think they, they understand that Sacramento has a lot of firepower, and this isn't going to be an easy series for them. And I even think the crowd noise in Sacramento, which is going to be off the hook, I, I can't even express how loud it's going to be. They are going to walk into that and it's going to fire them up, and I think they're going to start throwing their their better punches early. But the thing to beat the Kings is simple: go run pick bullet Demontis Sabonis every time until he's either in foul tired, frustrated. You cannot let that guy dominate you on the one side and then get off uh, on the other side where he is one of the more exploitable players in the league on a team that doesn't have a ton of plus defenders you can start to make them question themselves. And about a third of the league even tried that this season. And when they did, they were totally successful. And I think in a playoff setting where there's actually game planning involved and you have a guy like Steph Curry, who I believe understands the matchup, he's going to go in there and the Kings will blitz him. They will stay home on Clay Thompson. And you're going to see three on two with the rest of the guys. And, and the Kings are going to see if Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins, who hasn't played in a long time, can beat those guys. Um, I don't have – I basically took the Kings in this series um, just to offset some of my positions on Golden State making it to the finals. I'm all over the board here, and I got sacked at plus 10,000 and plus 4,000 to win the West about a month ago. So I'm pretty well stocked in the Sacramento Futures zone. Um, but I think it's going to be a long series that goes seven games, and I don't have a play for you, so maybe that means take the take the the, uh, the plus odds with Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, if the series goes seven games, that means the Warriors have to win one on the road, something they haven't done well all year, although when you look at the defensive efficiency numbers, these are the teams with the worst defense in the Kings this year. There weren't many of them, and they weren't any good. Spurs, Rockets, Pistons, Blazers, Pacers. That's it. And you don't want to be on that list. That's not a good you're list hoping, for Sacramento to be on, even if they're the best of the bunch. You're hoping that 
if you're a Warriors, Warriors backer, you're hoping that Andrew Wiggins does something to change the defensive equation for them. And Gary Payton, again, like last year, we won a boatload on, on the, uh, Gary Payton, essentially. He is one of the best, if not the best defender in the league, if he's healthy. Is he healthy is the question mark. But Gary Payton could come in and lock down De'Aaron Fox and just throw the entire Kings offense for a loop. What's he going to be like? Um, Wiggins, well, kind of the same situation there, you know? Aaron, we've got one minute and two series, so I'm going to ask you for real quick hitters. <laughs> you got it. Uh, we've got the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Grizzlies have taken the early money. Let's call it minus 140 Lakers, plus 120, plus 125. And the Phoenix Suns, almost 5-1 to one favorites over the L.A. Clippers, or either of the L.A. teams live in game one or in the series. The Clippers have no chance of advancing. I do uh, have them in game one. For uh, with the number, and then Memphis, unless they completely implode and or the league throws the the Lakers an assist with some officiating, and those guys play out of their minds, it's going to be Memphis. Um, Anthony Davis and LeBron are not built for prime time anymore. Oh, so he says, Lakers, look for them to go down in flames. The Grizzlies, the playoff tested Grizzlies are the team to beat in that series. Aaron, this was fun, man. I really enjoyed picking your brain today. <laughs> Tell folks where they can find you. Talk about your website, your Twitter, your Twitter handle, any shows that you do. Yeah, yeah. Go to sportsethos.com. Um, Twitter at Aaron Bruski, A-R-O-N-B-R-U-S-K-I. We have so much going on at the website right now. We have a great promotion for gaming. You should check into it. Um, we have plenty of DFS stuff, and we're getting geared up for NFL Major League Baseball is going on on the website right now. So we got a ton of stuff going on. Check us out, sportsethos.com. Hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions. And, Teddy, this has been a ton of fun. I love talking with you guys, man. Yeah, so, let's. I mean, I'm hoping I can get you on again. Maybe, you know, we'll do a finals preview or something like that later on uh, this spring. That would be a lot of you fun. I really that. appreciate your time and effort. At Aaron Bruski on Twitter. When we come back, i got a bettable opinion for you. Saturday night. NBA. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen. He missed any portion of today's program. If you want to get an advanced preview for tomorrow's MLB show, I got a great MLB show tomorrow with Adam Trigger. I can't wait to pick his brain. If you want to check out last week's shows, well, you can't check out last week's shows. I was sick last week. I'm sorry I didn't do any shows. I had to cancel at the last minute. I never do that, but I had to last week because I was sick as a dog and then I couldn't sit up for two hours uh, to do radio. Any show that I've ever done for Sports Grid is available for download podcast style. It's real simple. Wherever you download your podcast, just go and search Cover It or Cover It with Teddy Covers. You can download and consume this show and every show that I've ever done and even tomorrow's show, which isn't available yet on live radio. You can get the podcast version to download and consume at your convenience. Again, just search Cover It with Teddy Covers. I'm going to give you guys a bettable opinion for tonight in NBA action 
that would be the Kings and the Warriors. And I'm going to keep it simple. First half, not full game. Sometimes when the point spread is as close as this is, for a playoff game, things can bog down late and things can slow. First half, I've got over 117 in my pocket. And again, I talked about teams with the worst defense in the Kings this year, which were the Spurs, the Rockets, the Pistons, the Blazers, and the Pacers. That is an ugly five defensive team. Sacramento's the sixth in that group. I think Golden State's going to have success putting the biscuit in the basket. Same story. We think of the Warriors championship. Last year they won the title and finished number one in defensive efficiency. This year they're number 17 going against the best offensive team in the NBA this year. And everybody knows to bet unders in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Regular season defense and playoff defense is very different. We've seen sharp money come for the under in many of these games. Not this game. Early sharp money for the over. And oh, by the way, did I mention? I haven't even talked about pace ratings. Warriors, fastest pace in the NBA. First half over, Golden State and Sacramento. That's going to wrap it up for Cover It With Teddy Covers this week. Enjoy the games and best of luck with all of your wages.